Welcome to the Radical Lifestyle Podcast, brought to you by Generation to Generation, where you will be inspired by the past, equipped for the present, and prepared for the future, as we engage in conversations with people from around the world. Hello everyone, this is Andrew and Daphne from Generation to Generation, and our guest today is Abby Oliedi. Now, we have had Abby's husband, Jonathan Oliedi, on before, so if you haven't heard that episode, go find it. Um, but Abby, for people that don't know who you are, can you just say a bit about where you're from and what you do? So um, I'm in London. I am a pastor. I'm a cognitive behavior therapist practitioner, a trauma coach, and um, an entrepreneur as well. I do a bit of consultancy work. I'm a prophetic intercessor. I interpret dreams. (laughs) I've got some pretty crazy dreams we can talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Don't don't get me started on dreams. (laughs) And uh, I've got two wonderful young adults, you know, yes. Fantastic. And for people listening, they say, you know what? I like Abby. I want to hear more from her. Uh, Where can they find you? Where can they see more of your teaching? Maybe things that you've put out previously. Where can they find that? They'll find me on Instagram, Abby Oloyede, that's Alpha Bravo Bravo, India India Hotel, Oscar Lima Oscar, Yankee Echo Delta Echo, Abby Oloyede. Wow. Were you in the police force previously? I used to be in travel. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, not many people know the, uh, the way you say that. So that's pretty funny. Um, okay. Yeah. And I will put the links for those in the description. So for people listening you can go straight to the description and find the links that Abby's just talked about. So, Abby, we have been through quite, the whole world has been through quite a stressful time and and we believe it's going to continue into the future. It's not going to be easy. So can you take us on a bit of a journey of your walk through these last months um, and take us with you on your voyage of discovery and what you have learned? Because I think we can all learn some lessons from you. Thanks, Daphne and Andrew. It's really, really nice for you to have me. I'm really excited about what you and Andrew and Danielle and the whole team are doing. I mean, you're doing amazing stuff. And thanks for having me. So hmm, I must say that when we went on lockdown, I um, didn't take it seriously. When the prime minister said, oh, lockdown due to COVID-19, I was like, oh, yeah, here we go again. (laughs) Uh, you know so yeah but well we're in lockdown and then I think that same week by Friday one of the um, ladies in my church called really crying I said what's the matter she said my dad literally just passed away I'm like what she said from COVID and Daphne panic setting anxiety I could literally feel my heart beating I could taste panic as somebody who's suffered from anxiety and panic attacks in the past and a lot of thought intrusions I was unprepared for what I was about to experience and apart from that news um, one of the things I love to do because of my phone is to also listen to the news you know Mm. so I'm reading not even listening is visual right I'm reading I'm looking at the statistics I'm reading I'm binging on all things to do with the lockdown and so that's and the news that I heard just set, set me off. 
So here I was, I woke up um, in the morning and I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like, I feel like I'm literally just going to pass away. So I thought, what can I do? So, okay, so I put my hand on my chest and I started praying in tongues. I was like, Lord, I need to just calm myself down. So I did that for a bit. I began to feel peace and suddenly the dryness in my mouth, the palpitations, everything kind of ceased. And um, that actually re rekindled my journey into actually becoming a cognitive behavior therapist practitioner. And then a few months ago, added on um, another training to become a trauma care coach. If I'm going to unwind, if I'm going to backtrack, my journey didn't start during the lockdown, way, way back when I became a Christian. Um, I just realized that I was suffering from what I later self-diagnosed as thought intrusions, where um, now I know what I did. I would allow those subtle thoughts into my mind, play with it, romance it, and before you know what's happening, it's actually become so magnified that I literally begin to show signs of panic. Mm. and anxiety you know and so by myself um this started happening when i was in my late teens um you know and i was all by myself in in bible school when this was happening but i remember that when i became a christian i picked up a book a, a little book uh, that titled right and wrong thinking and so i read it and philippians 4 8 whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue or if there be any praise, think on these things was the anchor of my soul. I would put my hands in my ears. I would recite this, that scripture about 500 times. I'm not kidding you. I would go into church, just put my hands in. And then after a few weeks, I noticed that I, I, I was trying to remember what I was afraid of or what I was afraid about. And I couldn't remember. And I thought, mm -hmm. so that's how you deal with the battle of the mind. I'm telling you, um, Andrew, the feelings, I would, I would be on a train and I would literally feel crawlies, almost like something's crawling up my legs. And oh my gosh, <laughs> I'll feel like I'm literally about to lose it. And so Philippians 4.8 actually really helped me. And over time, I developed um, a program called uh, P4.8. You know, whatsoever things are true, really trying to encourage people to engage with their minds and the, the thought processes and things like that. As somebody, not the word self thought, I love teaching myself. You know, as somebody who self taught herself, um, as I began to read, because I love to read a lot. I only read things that are very meaningful to me, because if I say I love reading a lot, I'm not talking about reading big books, but I just love reading. I love binging on what I enjoy. 
it was during one of those moments that I realized that what actually I was also suffering from were thought intrusions. And so I began to read how to deal with it. And I read um, one or two books, subscribed to one or two ladies who had done extensive researches on, um, on the mind and realized that my brain was wired in such a way, God created you and I in such a way that our brain is subject to neuroplasticity. It is being rewired, you know, all the time. And whatever we expose it to, it for whatever we ex whatever we binge on, our brain uh, actually uh, latches onto. And so over time, I've I've learned not to allow those sort of thoughts. So the lockdown caught me completely unawares. But hey, I'm so glad that it was also an opportunity for me to get my certification. And while um, I was able to quickly recalibrate because the principles I use is once a thought comes, I don't deny it. I don't pretend it's not there. I literally allow that thought. I, I look at it. I face it squarely. And then I begin to do a lot of self-talk. So what do you need to afraid? Okay, so what do you need to do? So um, part of what I did after praying and all of that was stop listening to the news completely, no binging, you know, because I needed to feed my mind on positivity. And I began to think, okay, what can I do with myself? And that was the reason why I went to do my certification. And also I began to help more people. So 7 a.m., um, I developed my program, which I'd always done, but it was much more structured now. And um, people, for, coincidentally, people will call me to say, Pastor, hey, gosh, I'm struggling with this. So I began to run all through the lockdown I began to run um, uh, mentoring with Pastor Abby, you know, mind and purpose program. You know, I began to do a lot of that, just talking through people. My mind, I prefer CBT because CBT is solution focused. It's looking at that thing or that, that situation you have with your mind and facing it, doing a lot of self-talk, trying to stop the thought, obstructing it, pausing, you know, and then recalibrating, just keep on, you know, practicing. I love the word, uh, you, the muscles of the mind, you know, your emotional muscles. You keep practicing, you know, until your mind begins to say, okay, I'm not wanted here. This The thought begins to say, I'm not wanted here. And one of the things I say to people is, think about what you're thinking about. And um, if you know Jonathan, which you, I'm sure you do, you know my husband is a radical believer. And um, so during the lockdown, he would say to me things like, oh, he, he did a lot of extensive study on heaven and hell because he of the Bible study um, that he decided to start during the period. And I remember, um, you know, we were having a conversation and he was saying, look, that what we're going to give an account to God for is so important. And every single believer must make sure that they are um, following um, the, the agenda of the almighty. And I began to think, okay, so all this, my CBT, all this trauma care, huh, how do I, I, am I in sync with God? Is he in line with what he wants me to do? And as I began to think about it, because honestly, when you're at my age, you know, one of the things you, you don't, you don't want to please anyone. You just want to please the Lord. So I was thinking, Lord, this whole thing about the mind, you know, I'm willing to drop it and just, you know, whatever else you want me to. And, you know, I just heard that still small voice within me say, you know what, if you can help people to have a calm mind, if you can journey with people 
to actually um, be have inner peace, then the, some people will be able to serve me properly and they'll be able to live life with a lot of joy and happiness. Mm. So one of the things that I also talk about that I, that I really picked up in um, CBT that I love and I talk to um, a lot of my clients about is the fact that whatever it is that you're grappling with, hold that thing until you come to a place of peace. So let me give you an example. So my mm -hmm. daughter goes out, you know, I remember when she went out with her friends when the lockdown was lifted and it was 11 p.m., then 11.30 and it was 12. <sighs> and I woke up and I was like, where is she? <laughs> and every thought began to flood through my mind. I'm teaching, I'm talking about how to come to a place of peace now with thoughts. And I sat and I thought, okay, calm down. Where is she now? She's gone out. Does she have angelic assistance? Yes. Can you go where she is? No. Can your prayers go? Yes. So why don't you pray? Commit her into God's hands because he gives his angels charge over her and they will keep her. And guess what? I did that and I just went back to sleep. I wouldn't wow. have done that before. So that means, and, and that's one of the ways by which you know that you have released the matter to the Lord. You don't deny its existence. You don't pretend it's not them. Face it head on. Do some talk therapy. Um, David said, why are you downcast, oh my soul? Put your trust in God. So David was able to speak to his soul. And that's where talk therapy comes from. Speak to your mind. Be still, be quiet, yeah. and it will definitely listen to you. Yeah. Well, Abby, so much of what you said, I and mean, it gives us so much to think about. I'm connecting this with my journey through mm. lockdown that I can see so many similarities. Yeah, similarities. I mean, when it happened, it was like, okay, it's happening. And then I started watching the news a lot and, um, and, in the end, I had to remember that it's my responsibility to protect my mind. You know, we, we eat the right food, we do the right exercise, and then we go and wreck our brains by feeding it with everything that isn't good. So I had to come to the discipline of I would watch the, listen to the news at midday, middle of the day. Once I would look at what was happening and move on. I wanted to know what was going on. I think it's important to know what's going on. But I wasn't going to do it first thing and I wasn't going to do it last thing. And that made such a difference to me. Also, I've had to say to people very proactively, can you stop talking to me about that? I've heard what you said. Because in a way... You, you you don't give God any space in your brain, do you? I yeah. mean, I, I couldn't even hear God. about. Well, I, yeah. I, I will say what it was. It was about the vaccine mm. thing. And I was just bombarded with people telling me things. And, and I will share this online because well, it's... And, and and people bombard you with information that actually at that point isn't even relevant. There, there's these vaccines being developed, but no one knows what vaccine we're talking about. There's no official vaccine that you can even really hang a hat on and talk about that specific one. And so you're just getting bombarded with information for no real reason at that point in time. But then it became came nearer that, that it looked it was coming out. And, and I could not even think clearly. Because the vaccine is really important to us. I mean, we're a traveling ministry. We travel all over the world. And God has given us a mandate to sound the alarm. Well, so this vaccine is really important. 
So I said to some people who continue, I, please, I don't want to hear any more about it. And I, I had to have space for God and I to have a conversation. So I prayed and I said, Jesus, I need you to send people that we know and trust and somebody with expertise. And I think that was on the Wednesday. On the Saturday evening, I get this message from Andrew. I've had a message from Jonathan. They said they're doing something on the vaccine on Sunday morning. Now, I mean, this was two or three days later. Do I know and trust you? Yes. Did you have somebody who had... Some expertise. Yes. Experience and qualifications? Yes. And so within that short space of time, God miraculously, I think, answered my prayer. But I had to shut out all the bombardment of what was coming and give him space. Mm. So I've been on a learning curve in this and it's really helpful to hear you because I think many people listening will be on the same curve. Yeah, it's interesting you say that actually because I feel that um, there was a lot and still is a lot of anxiety. And the, the beauty of anxiety, on, to be honest with you, is whether if, if it's, it's positive when we receive gifts, you know, when you're going to prepare a sermon or when you, you're going somewhere and you're like, oh my God, you're a bit anxious, you know, yeah, that's good. But anxiety can be negative when you're uncertain, you know, when it's almost like what's going on, you know. And um, I don't think uh, social media has helped because everybody's perspective is being aired. And so the good, the bad, and the ugly, people are coming from all sorts of angles. So I feel that part of the reason why you felt that, because when I was speaking to some of the ladies in my church about my experience, they were like, I went through the same thing too. I went through the same thing too. I went through the same thing too. And I liked what you said about being bombarded because one of the things, and first thing and last thing at night, one of the things I do now regularly is I watch what I do at night before going to bed. Um, in fact, during that period, I will put um, my earphones on YouTube and be listening to the Bible on tape and fall asleep listening to the word, you know? And so I like what you're saying. And that's one of the ways by which we have to take care of our minds. Is In fact, it, it, I was talking about it recently and even I was so excited the way I was describing it. We have to, just like you said, Daphne, what we eat, what we drink, you know, the same way, take care of your mind. It's so precious. It's like, it's like your diamond, you know, it's like gold. You know, you don't just find gold everywhere. Gold is so expensive. That's how expensive your mind is. You have to nurture it. You have to feed it. You have to take care. You have to check what's going in and what's going out. You know, if I could talk about different aspects of the mind from nostalgia to perspective to attitude you know to to um to to different cognitive distortions that we may experience you know that uh, which i feel has to do with man's falling nature but as we become conscious of what is going through our minds and the different um distortions we are able to bring it to the subjection of Christ. Because the Bible says, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound, calm mind. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned, uh, well, you've mentioned a lot of things, which like you said, <laughs> you, you could pick up on. No, it's good. We, we want it. It's really um, good. One of the things you, you talk about is when there's that thing that you fear, that you need to face that. 
And our instinct is to go, I've got this thought and it's scaring me. I don't want to think about it. So I'm going to throw it. I'm going to put it aside. I'm going to try not to think about it. But how often does that work? Like that fear is always there, even if you're trying not to think about it. And I went through a season where I was very anxious about some things. And so I was talking to someone and the way he described it, he said it's like tug of war. And he said, if fear, you're playing, you're playing tug of war with fear. And for as long as you don't, uh, for as long as you try not to think about it, for as long as you dwell on it, you are playing tug of war. Fear will remain as long as you are tied to that rope. And he said, you need to face the fear. You need to face that situation which you're scared of or you're anxious about and, and think about what's the worst case scenario of that situation because often we take molehills and we turn them into mountains yeah and so he said face it find what is the worst case scenario in that situation and then say that's the worst you can do to me <laughs> like i'm not scared of that <laughs> and suddenly you drop the rope and now you're not playing tug of war with fear and fear has nothing to attach itself to you with and so that's a lot of what you were talking about and and people today are, are bombarded like we've talked about with negativity it's all very overwhelming and sort of the overarching theme that we've we've talked about up to this point is finding that peace in the storm mm. and so what are what are a few things that that you found help you to do that or maybe some principles that you've come up with that, that you talk people through how can people who are feeling so overwhelmed by the world right now find that that calm in the storm I think, um, Andrew, thanks for that. I one of the things about life is that stress comes to all of us. No matter how careful you are, no matter how, you know, um, I was in an investment class the other day and the trainer said, low risk, high risk, medium risk. And every, most of the people were like medium. So whether you're low risk, medium risk or high risk, fear comes to all of us. At one point in time or the other, we will be stressed. So I think that's one of the first things that it's not peculiar to you and you're not abnormal when you're afraid. And that's the problem, isn't it? Because when you don't have information, when something happens, you think, oh my gosh, it's me. So that's the first thing. The second thing is if you do not stop, if you do not take stock, if you do not, um, if you want to go into denial mode, then you're making things worse for yourself. So the first thing is fear, uh, we all get afraid. At different times, we're anxious or we're stressed. Our response is the most important. How should you and I respond to stress? Number, don't let me get that numbering. One of the things we need to do is, is to acknowledge that I am stressed. You have to acknowledge it. Don't pray it away at that point in time. Acknowledge it. Once it's been acknowledged, then you begin to think to yourself, which is very similar to what you're saying. Okay, so why am I being stressed right now? Nobody knows. Um, so right now, let's deal with something that's, you know, like, like um, Daphne mentioned. So the vaccine. So there's been this whole hoo-ha about it. I was in a meeting with some of my colleagues, and one of them said, I've thought about the vaccine and I'm going for it because I, I travel a lot and, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen? Yeah, I get it. And, you know, and I thought that's good. So he's been able to, he's processed it 
and he's accepted. I was reading the news this, I was listening to the news this morning about it. And, you know, when, they, when, the, when the, um, the newscaster finished, the person ended up with this question. So how do we know that the vaccine is going to work? I thought, you, don't, you shouldn't end the news like that because already you are telling people, we don't know if it's going to work. We don't know what the side effects are going to be. So some people are going to begin a panic, yeah. you know? And so what do I do? I would look for information. So there's the mRNA, which is synthetic, and there's the other ones which are not. So I choose the ones that are synthetic because like you and I heard from the um, virologist and the, the biochemist that that one, it would wear itself out anyway, but that is me. So in my own, in, if I have to, then I will, but if I don't have to, I'm not going, if I'm not going to have to travel, if it's not mandatory, then I'm not, I'm not going to want to, uh, to take, even the flu jab, I wouldn't take anyway, but that's my own personal choice, you know? So you find out that with these things, you have to face them head on, and then you have to do a lot of self-talk. And nobody can do the self-talk for you. You can. You have to come to that place. But if people are struggling, which is why they will come to somebody like me, then we talk, I talk them through. What are your fears? Why are you afraid? What is it about the vaccine that is creating palpitations for you? If you know, and just try, because sometimes we just need that. These mm. thoughts that are in your head that are telling you that you're about to drown. You need somebody else to confirm that you're drowning or that you're just imagining things. And our brains play a lot of tricks on us. Oh my goodness. Daphne doesn't say hello to me. Your brain says she doesn't like you. You know, yeah. Andrew is not smiling at my jokes. Oh gosh, I'm boring. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so the brain is constantly playing yeah. games on us. And depending on where you grow, where, on your upbringing, if you're raised by a lovely, loving family who believed in you, then, hey, you know, your, your, your battle with the mind may be 10%. But in a case where you, you're in a home where nobody likes you, your parents have told you point blank, you don't get on with anyone, nobody seems to understand you, then you will, you will, you will find out that your battle with the mind is likely to be much more severe. You know, so call it what it is. But no matter how far gone one is emotionally, no matter how weak our emotional muscles are, if we take baby steps towards um, positivity, and that's it, um, uh, uh, Andrew, honestly, you have to take baby steps. And that's where hope comes in. You know that, okay, like a mustard seed, I know that I am beautiful. Andrew may not laugh at my joke. I know that I'm funny. Daphne may frown, but I know that it doesn't matter whether she frowns or not. I love me. I've looked at myself in the mirror and I, I'm confident in my personality. I know I'm self-aware. I'm conscious of my strengths, my weaknesses, my thoughts, my belief. You know, so I don't need any validation from anyone. So those are conversations we must continue to have with our minds so that we are able to handle the stress of life. So if you're at a workplace and you're thinking, oh, my boss doesn't like me, or this, that, and that, then ask yourself, why am I thinking that way? 
Why am I thinking that way? If you have the opportunity, you can ask your boss, but not from a, um, you don't do this and that. No, 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 not with an attitude, but, you know, more from a constructive um, uh, uh, angle that, oh, this is what I noticed. I just want to be sure that I'm not imagining things and let the person say, oh, you know, you are imagining things or you're not imagining things. And if you're not, then you can work on yourself, you know? So, yeah, so I, I hope that's helped. So the, the, you, you can't afford to be in denial. There's going to have to be a lot of self-talk. If you can't, when you're doing the self-talk, still um, deal with the bombardment, then you get help. You know, you speak to someone. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you should mention that about if Daphne frowns, because, <laughs> because when I concentrate, I, I do look like I'm frowning. I mean, I do. I've had to try to retrain myself not to. And the number of people have thought that I am angry or oh, really. Yeah. 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 That must be my prophetic edge. Because yes, that was your prophetic edge. <laughs> so they'll go to Andrew or Daniela and yeah. say, oh, I think your mum's angry with me. And they're like, no, she isn't. I always say, yes, you are. <laughs> no, you don't. no, I don't. <laughs> but even like when Andrew and Daniela, especially when they were younger, they were speaking on the platform. And I'd be, it's my concentrating voice. So I'm listening like this. And they would come off. Your concentrating and, face. Yeah, my concentrating face. So they would come off and say, what did I say wrong? And I said, nothing. It was brilliant. So I've had to retrain my face so I don't give people the wrong expression. But like you were saying, what people picked up was exactly the opposite yeah. to what I was giving. So both of us have got to work on it. But going back to, to what we think about, I, these are my thoughts as you were speaking. You know, I think in counselling terms, and we go over and over and over it, it's called ruminating. Mm -hmm. So you're going over and over and you're digging yourself a pit. Well, now, you correct me if I'm wrong here. The subconscious mind doesn't have any sense of conscience. It doesn't have any sense of time. It doesn't have... The subconscious mind just retains things and says they are. Mm -hmm. So, the, as far as I understand, the mind, the subconscious mind can only be retrained by what it hears. Mm -hmm. You can't just think your mind into that place. And the Bible talks about speaking the word, not thinking the word, speaking the word and what we say, retraining our mind as well as what we think. Hmm. So, you know, when I began to think about this, it became a matter of not only protecting my mind from what other people say and do, but from what I say and do. Because sometimes we're our own worst enemies. I mean, if you said something to me like, um, Daphne, you were really awful on the podcast. You have a horrible face. I would be decimated. <laughs> but I say that to myself. I can say that to myself many times a day. And it's it's somehow seen as acceptable to speak badly of yourself. Yeah. yeah. So, so we have some responsibility, do we not, in the way that we speak about, look at, and and talk about ourselves and in the reprogramming of our subconscious mind particularly by what we say have i got that right yes you, you, you yes it's both and what yeah. you think about and what you say to yourself yeah because the the, the truth of the matter is the subconscious our minds are like wet cement and it latches onto things and it just stays with it 
And so it may just, you may just be doing something completely different and your mind just comes out with this thought. And you're like, where did that come from? You know, but I would say the minute that thing comes through, the minute the thought comes through and it's a negative one, you need to make sure you hijack it. You, I have to use that strong word. You need to, you need to hijack it. Otherwise it will hijack you, you know? And so it's a combination of what is coming out, you know, and what is going in. I know, I know the Bible says that it is not what, um, it is not what goes out that defiles us. Sorry, it is not what goes in <laughs> that defiles us, it's what goes out. You know, so what, the thoughts that's coming through your mind, you know, you need to, you need to be conscious of it. You need to be aware, okay, why am I thinking this way? What is the trigger? You know, and sometimes it may be you self-sabotaging yourself or it may be something that's happened. And the more I delve into the mind, the more I meditate, the more I read stuff, the more I realize that no matter how careful we are, somebody will give you an unsolicited um, uh, 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 advice or compliment, negative or positive. Somebody will send you a text that they're not supposed to send you. Somebody will send you an email, you know. So there are some things that we have absolutely no control over, you know. Uh, we don't have control over what people say to us. And sometimes we don't even have control over some of the thoughts that actually flies through our minds. But if you are conscious of the fact that you have responsibility for your mind, I am telling you, you will look at your thoughts differently. You will think about what's going through your mind differently. Well, let me tell you how this started for me. Mm. Um, I just realized that I was so scared of the knife. I've never had an incident with one before. It's, I've never even, I've never been threatened before. You know, where that came from, I couldn't tell you. This was in my late teens. That was the beginning and, uh, of my journey into things to do with the mind. And my goodness, I was so scared that, I, that it, it, a knife that is sitting uh, on my kitchen table is just going to light itself to my hand. Can you imagine that? You know, but what happened was I allowed the thoughts. And so it became, so, I think Andrew mentioned it earlier on, it became so magnified that I became so terrified. You know, I was, there was a lady that um, I went to see a therapist because she was afraid of radiators. Can you imagine that? She was so scared of the radiators that she was salivating, she was palpitating and, and, mm. and things like that. So how do you rewire that? You know, so what do you do? Um, what, what you, the first thing is to realize that, okay, the, the radiator is not going to harm me. You know, so I'm the one here that is has painted this whole picture and I need to unpaint that picture. So you could do the unpainting by watching uh, on uh, on these days. You can watch on YouTube the, the effects of a radiator. You can read up on it. You can speak to an expert on it. As you're doing that, your brain is being rewired. The more you do that, the more rewiring and then gradually you become, you begin to come into where the radiator is. You feel it. You know, if you're still scared, you go back and you come back. And if you keep doing it and you keep saying to yourself, there's nothing to be afraid of. There's nothing to be afraid of. 
gradually you, and then when you're not with the radiator you think about it on your own there's nothing to be scared of there's nothing to be afraid of and before you know it the whole emotions fizzles out and things like that and you're able to not be afraid of whatever it is so the subconscious mind tricks us a lot of the times our conscious mind also tricks us with thoughts that just begins to seep out but whichever way whether from out externally or internally we have the responsibility to guard our hearts because out of it are the issues of life Mm. so can i twist this a little bit right so we know now i know that your mind is a precious that your mind needs protecting that you are working hard on your mind etc i have the ability to throw a stone into that by the way I talk to you, by the way I respond to you, by what I do. I have a responsibility for other people's minds as well as my own to a limited degree. And I think so often we don't think before we speak mm-hmm. to people. We don't think of the impact of our words or actions. And now there's a, a few principles, and I haven't got it right by a long way, but there's a few principles that I hold dear. First yeah. of all, um, there's this thing called Um, attachment bonding which is the more you're bonded to somebody the greater the power of their words and the more they can hurt you so somebody said something to me in the street I'd probably come in and laugh and say aren't they stupid this person doesn't have a clue who I am yeah but but if Andrew says it to me it's going to cause so I one of my principles is if somebody gives me their heart Mm. if somebody's there I have a responsibility now to protect them Mm. With truth, I'm not talking about the same, but my words are going to be very powerful in mm. in their lives. So I really try and honour that with the way that I treat them. The other thing is social media <laughs> and emails and things like that. The number of times I pull people back from dealing with confrontation via social media. Do never do it. Never do it. It's always face to face. Always do that because whatever we read can be interpreted in a thousand different ways. You haven't got the facial expression. You haven't got the body language. You haven't got the tone of voice. You have words that can be um, interpreted any way the person receives them in that moment. When people post things on social media because it's very impersonal. They they would write things or say yeah. things on social media in such a way that they would never say it to someone's face. Yeah. yeah. So so I'm just using those two examples of a way that we have some responsibility for other people in the way that we respond. And we need to be careful of other people's minds, etc. Am I right? Yeah, you, you, you're so right, actually, because um, <laughs> the thing about social media is I think before you get on it, you need to decide why am I going on social media? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, in the early days when, you know, we started getting into social media, I remember one of my friends saying to me that, oh, you know, um, that there's an increase of people who are going into therapy for social media. And I'm like, really? But with time, actually, I started seeing things like, oh, um, people don't like my post. People don't comment on it. I'm like, so what? It doesn't really matter. 
you know, and like you said, some people actually uh, the dirty leanings out there. Some people, uh, you know, call out their friends because they've done stuff to them. And I think it was yourself or Andrew who said that the way people come across on social media can be very impersonal. When, meanwhile, when they see you in person, they won't do that. And there is a lot of that. But the thing about social media is because it is so picturistic, you know, it's um, full of images, you find that, that a lot of people get swayed by that. Because for instance, we eat with our eyes, you know, so it's the same way, you know, with social media. So when you see things, um, especially for the, for the young, you know, girls and even guys, you know, feeling under pressure, they want to, they want to be the best. They want to look this way. <laughs> I was, I was listening to someone who said, look, don't, don't even worry about your hair in being in a particular place because a lot of the celebrities have stylists, you know, they have photographers, they have um, people who take their pictures, they follow them around. Do you have that? No. So yours is definitely not going to be on the same level as theirs, you know? So there's this um, fakeness, you know, there's these um, lies that if we're not careful, we would actually binge on and honestly speaking, um, a lot of people, even in, it's, you'll be you'll be surprised that a lot of influencers are in therapy. I was reading the the article of a top psychologist in in central London who has seen a lot of um, influencers, and uh, because of the, the one thing on 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 uh, social media, but behind the scenes there's something else. So there is that, and that's one of the things we're going to be contending with in this generation because. Social media has both positives and, and negatives, and we really want to um, uh, we want to use it positively. And we have to exercise self control in making sure we don't uh, mess up ourselves and the lives of others, uh, you know, because of our our, our, um, our leaning for social media. We really have to make sure we, we we don't do that. So yeah, I agree with you. That definitely does happen. Yeah, I think there's a there's sort of a, a thread that's running through this, and uh, I think a lot of it comes back to identity. Mm. And so when you're talking about self confidence or not being swayed by what other people say or do or the likes that you get or trying to almost compare yourself or be like other social media influencers or you know whatever category or area of life a lot of it comes back to being confident in yourself and who you are mm. and uh, building your identity and protecting your identity. And so, you know, what would you say about that, about, you know, how can people, how can people sort of almost discover who they are as an individual and protect that and not be so swayed into thinking that they suddenly have to be like someone else or be comparing themselves to other people? Okay, um, when it comes to identity, my goodness, oh, that is so, I am so, <laughs> you you are really pressing all my buttons. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I live to press buttons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my, my identity buttons and my thinking buttons, oh, I love identity. Well, I think the thing about identity is you, it's a journey, it's a personal journey because I went on mine. It was, it was one of the first questions I asked myself, who am I? And um, it took me a while, but I finally got there that I'm first a child of God. I'm everything that's happened to me. 
my dad died at the when I was he died at the age of 50 I was 18 you know of course the whole trauma of of losing him and having to come to terms it took me almost six years to grieve him and you know just things like that and so you are a combination of everything that's happened to you and it's almost like um paper when I when I teach on identity I say it's like taking it's like this it's like taking this paper you know and then finally you begin to unravel it and then you're expecting that there'll be no creases on it. It's not possible. Mm-hmm. You know, so once you know that, um, you know, you're everything that's happened to you, part of your identity is to also be self-aware. So what I do in my mentoring sessions or when people approach me about identity and map, uh, mind and purpose, one of the first things I do is take them through what I call a temperament test. Is, is it because part of your identity is knowing your strengths and your weaknesses. And so we go through that. And then the next thing is self-awareness. Oh my gosh, I'm so hot on that because your self-awareness has to do your strengths, your weaknesses, your beliefs, your thoughts, the way you approach things, the way you look at things, you know? And so when you, when you know that, and for me, um, I wanted to be like my pastor's wife. I wanted to be like her because she's very quiet. When she enters the room, nobody knows she's then she wears her shirt and 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 trousers and i actually invested in a lot of of shirts and trousers myself you know but i was very uncomfortable so i came across a temperament test i did that i realized that i'm sanguine i love color i love but do you know in real life i actually love butterflies i love my goodness the colors of of butterfly I love colors. When I when I'm looking, when I go to the store, I'm always attracted to the the rainbows. You know, the colors of the rainbows and things like that. So I realized that actually I'm an extrovert. You know, I'm very sociable. I love to smile. You know, I love to. I I just I love going out by myself or with myself. And so I've had to embrace that. And the the not so good bit about being I'm sanguine melancholic. You know, sanguine can be disorganized. I'm melancholic. I'm a perfectionist. And because I'm a perfectionist, one is prone to depression. And so those things helps me to know that this is me and I love me. Do you know, I actually look in the mirror. I know with the bits I don't like about my body, but I have embraced me. You know, I have, I, I, and we need to do that. Everybody at some point in the other needs to look at themselves in the mirror and say, this is me. This is my, my temperament i love me and i you be, I, I, when i was younger i was sanguine melancholic but as i've gotten older i'm melancholic sanguine so i'm more reflective i'm you find me really quiet i'm very very reflective i didn't used to be like that before you know and so so that's me so i and that made me very confident extremely so i would sit with you and i would talk and i always say to people i own my voice i own my space you know no matter where i'm called upon i will speak and i will tell you my story i'll tell you my journey you tell me yours and the more i i i I look at humans the more i know that everybody has strengths and weaknesses every single human being on the earth so that means we're equals it means you know you may you may be um you may be in charge but it doesn't make you less better than me and i love the gospel of the kingdom because the gospel of the kingdom says the accountant and the pastor are equals 
the difference is that the pastor is more is, is focusing on spiritual things while the accountant is focusing on figures. But when we come together, I need what the accountant has and the accountant needs my prayers so that things can be, you know. So it's that gospel of the kingdom as well that's helped me to be very, very secure and confident in myself that I'm first a child of God. And then every other thing that's happened to me <laughs> in life, you know, I, I, um, I embrace as well. Yes. So, yeah. Abby, this, this identity, I just want we're getting towards the end. But yeah, we are also, getting towards are, the end. You are a pastor. <laughs> and, and I want to focus on pastors just just. Just for a moment, right? Okay. So when lockdown happened, when churches were closed, and like for, for me, my own personal journey, so we're traveling, we're doing conferences, we're speaking to pastors and leaders, we're doing all yes. this, and suddenly it stopped. Mm. And it stopped for an indefinite length of time. And I had a personal crisis probably for about 20 minutes. <laughs> But, you know, it was a good crisis to have because it helped me to empathise with other people. Who am I now? Mm. Who am I? I mean, I, I, I'm, I don't know when I'm going to stand on a platform again. And I enjoy what I do. I'm passionate about it. I love it. And I mean, what I believe, I believe my whole life and that didn't change. But for the last 28, goodness knows how many years, this is what's made my heart sing. Mm. Th this is what I've loved. And suddenly... It stopped, not by my control. Now, like I say, mine lasted about 20 minutes and you know, all of a sudden I go, hey, come on, Daphne, you've still got your passion. You're still who you are. Nothing has changed about you. It might have changed about what you do. But I can imagine that many, many pastors are struggling right now because they have had removed, many of them for almost a lifetime, of everything that they have done that they have built, and some of them may see it tumbling around them. Um, they are not relating with people in the same way. I can imagine many are struggling with who am I? Yeah. Can you, as a pastor, speak to pastors and leaders, or maybe people even in professions have got a similar experience, who in this moment are struggling with everything being removed and saying, who am I? Mm. It, that, that's a very, very interesting uh, perspective because I, 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 um, I work as a consultant for one of the Christian charities and part of what I do is linking up with pastors and we found that, that it quite, there's so much that's been happening and even as a pastor myself, I think the reason what, what I've missed is the gathering together of the saints, you know, going um, to, to church and, uh, and things like that. But um, because I've always had my hands in different other things with the lockdown, it's for me, it was almost like a reset button was pressed for me to reflect on what I do and how I do what I do. And like I said, within this period, I've done my certifications and things like that. So, um, but one of the things I will say is that, you know, first and foremost, nobody anticipated the lockdown. Um, the next two years is going to be very interesting as we reset. Um, some, um, I belong to a group of pastors and we, we meet online ever so often. And so one of the th common things we all know is that some of our church members have finally have um, 
been reset as well. Um, some are not coming back. Some are joining. Um, it, it's almost like the, it's like we're literally going to start church over, all over again. And every single one of us as leaders must bear that in mind. And the thing is, whether we like it or not, it's almost like the 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 the, the um, uh, online has been forced. Digital digitalization has been forced upon us. Where we've done it once, now we have to do it 20 times. And so we're finding that as churches, we need to be able to flow with that as well and use it positively. One of the organizations I, I consult for actually said that during this period, they have had more successes online than even any one of their festivals that they've ever had. So there is positivity, but it's going to take time to be able to do that. That's, and then also with our, our identity being linked up with our work as pastors is more to do with our profession than who we are uh, as a person. And so I'm sure a lot of people are going to have to want to, they're going to have to, uh, they're going to have to um, um, break both of them, in, separate both of them. You know that, okay, I'm first a Christian and then I'm a pastor. So I'm first a child of God. I'm first loved by God. I'm first a man before I'm a husband. That, that's a different office. I'm first, I'm, I'm a leader. I've been called into the pastoral work. That's my job, you know? And so the job is dynamic. It's changing. And I'm going to have to do the same with it. It's, it's one of the things I would say. So to all pastors out there, you're not alone. <laughs> We're in this together. Uh, we just really need to make sure that we update our skills. It's going to be tough. But we can, and that's where CBT comes in, right? So I'm going to say you, it's going to be tough, but you can do it. Seek for help. Get the younger generation, especially if you're in your in your in, if you're older. You know, link up with the old younger generation. You know, get get, get on courses, zooms. You know, get on. Uh, and we have to make sure we update ourselves. But one thing I would like to say is your my profession as as a pastor does not define me. I define my profession based on who I am. Wow, that is amazing. Now, yeah. you just pressed our button oh. when you talked about linking the generations, but we won't even go there because <laughs> we're trying to... For another you time. save that till the end, right? <laughs> but that is... I mean, another key that you have just said is we're not alone. When people feel that they're alone, that's when a lot yeah. of trouble comes in and we're not alone. And yeah. we are so grateful for your wisdom, Abby. Oh, so grateful. And it comes across with, with passion, with conviction. And <laughs> thank you. I've, I've feel... really enjoyed myself. Thank you so much for having me. Thank well, you so much. I've enjoyed myself thoroughly. Thank well, you. I think we'll have to have you back because my brain is going, we need to hear more about this, that and the other. Yeah, thank you, That's Abby. Right. We, we really appreciate you uh, and Jonathan. Uh, please pass a love on to him and hopefully that. we can have you back again and, and carry on our conversation. Thank you. And my, my warm regards to Danielle as well. Please let me say hello to her as well. Thank you. We so will much. do that. We will thank do you. that. Thank you, Abby. Thank you. All right, then. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode. If it inspired you, please rate us and subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify or another podcast platform.